Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Inside the GM Studio, a podcast all about tabletop RPGs, mostly for the GM, but some advice for the players out there as well. I am your host, Matt. I am David. And let's see, today we've got the usual shit. It's probably going to be a shorter show today, but I've had a lot of people talking recently about starting in the RPG hobby, and uh, they want to know what's better, if they should just buy the books and dive in or if they should start with uh, a starter set so we'll get into that that'll be our main topic today but uh i think uh, everything else is going to kind of flash forward here because neither dave or i has been playing in the last week yeah the only thing i have done is we have set up our session zero for our work campaign uh for the savage worlds uh shadow run game so that'll be coming up pretty soon hopefully but uh how about if we just get into some community questions real quick? How about, uh, you want to go ahead and roll a die there, Dave? Sure. Uh, 18. 18. And I'm pretty sure a lot of our questions right now are all starter centric. So it's all going to go well together. What did you say? 18? 18. 18. That's a good, it's a good number. Yeah, it is. Holy shit. Okay. What do I need to run D and D? to run a D&D 5e campaign. Now this came from uh, an anonymous question or uh, wait, will that be questioner? Questioner? Yeah. Questioner. <laughs> question, questionnaire? Questioner? Questioner? Okay. Asker. Yes, asker. There we go. <laughs> I have GM'd several RPGs before that are not D&D. Eight, Death Watch, Star Wars, uh, we first tried to play D&D using the 3.5 edition and went horribly. Too many books and too many options with no idea where to start. I've been told that 5e takes care of all that in an easier and more fun, so I want to try it. So I want to try that, but I would like to a definitive list of what I need. I expect the kinds of books we need divide uh we need to divide up like this. Rule book for the GM, rule book for the players, Fluff for everyone, monster book for the GM. Uh, links to these would be helpful as we got very confused with the 3.5 books. Who should use what books confused us? What other things do we need to play a campaign? I expect things like dice, what kind and how many of each roughly. Models and maps, do we need these? Does 5e need models and a grid? Or can it be played without? Which is preferred? Is there anything else that we need that I haven't anticipated? I've already got one for him right off the bat. All you need, go on to the D&D website, get the basic rules, absolutely free. You're good to start right there. That's what I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it's most everything. Like, if you're just... You can't get everything and, like, you know, be expected to have... The end-all, be-all. The longer a game is around, the more it expands to people that don't want... You don't need all that. Get the basic rules. Yes, you need dice. You need something on which to take notes. Like, and people. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is what you need. But yeah, I wouldn't... Especially if you don't... Particularly know how deep into the game you are going to get... Just start with bare bones. Use the basic rules. You don't even need a monster manual. The basic rules have some kind of basic monsters in there. And 
perfectly acceptable for level one, two adventurers for mm -hmm. a first campaign out. And as for whether you need a grid models or minis or whatever, that all depends on your style of play, I think, right? Like if you're a little bit more kind of fast and loose with game mechanics and positioning, um, and your players are fine with that, then you could just theater of the mind all of it. But mm -hmm. I will say that from experience, you think that theater of the mind is going to kind of cut down how complicated things are, but it really never does because it's just a picture is worth a thousand words thing. Like if you have an A to B encounter, right? If one player and that player engages in some sort of tavern brawl with somebody or a duel, like a sword one-on-one, -on -one, you don't need maps, right? But the second you start adding more PCs and more villains, when positioning becomes important, like trying to go like, okay, well, yeah, like, so, you know, if you're, I want to do a ranged attack and cast, I want to cast this spell, right? It's an AOE spell. And like, where are my comrades relative to me? It's like, all right, well, this guy is like 15 feet over just outside, you know, to your left-hand side, like 11 o'clock if it were, you know, a, a face on a clock. And so he's there five feet out from the group, and then your second comrade, and then the eight goblins in the middle are positioned kind of, it's like, dude, just, if you had fucking minis, you wouldn't even need to ask that question, mm. right? Like, you just, and you don't need minis per se. I mean, you could use anything, bottle caps, fucking coins, and you don't really necessarily need a grid, you just need something to delineate position so that you know this player is X amount of feet from me because when you're casting like an AOE spell or if you're tracking cover, you know, players get cover from stuff, it, by not by trying to theater of the mind all of that stuff, you basically have to try to like eliminate the element of the game that's somewhat tactical from that front and you're just going to be like the player is just going to say, can I cast, like, Fireball safely without hitting any of my comrades? And if they're fine with you just being like a yes, you can, or no, you can't, then that's fine. Um, but it players generally respond better to having autonomy and tactics in mm -hmm. their wheelhouse. So especially if they don't, if you don't know them very well and there's not a lot of trust, then... You know, can I cast Fireball safely? And you're eh, no, you can't. And you're like, okay, well, that's kind of shitty. Like, how can I, how can <laughs> yeah, I maneuver? What can I do? You're right, right. You don't want to have your players asking you, like, what can I do? Like, well, what do you want to do? Tell me if you can, like, tell me what you want to do, and I'll tell you yeah. if you can do it. It's like, well, then that just, they, they're just likely to feel like it's, it's up to your whims or up to your decision to when they can and can't do something based on maybe if you want them to be able to do it. But if they go like, here is the scenario, like objectively, here's where everyone is. Here's what I can do. And I'll maneuver over here. And it's like, instead of just being like, can I move to a spot where I can cast fireball like safely and not have it hit my cat? Where is that? How far is it? You know, like distance mm -hmm. matters. And so that that's the biggest thing I think is you just need something to represent that unless you really want to, unless you have a very small party and they're very small encounters and you like distance and stuff like that doesn't seem to matter as much. But I think generally speaking, when an encounter plays out, I don't know about you, but as a player, I'm always trying to envision it in my head. Mm -hmm. And if I can't, if, if, if less I know I have the same vision in my head as the GM and the other players, 
it kind of makes me go on a certain certain assumptions that might not be correct and it, it's just all obviated by having something that physically represents where everybody is oh yeah coming especially coming from all the con games that i've ever played in or run uh i've seen some gms just take out a sheet of blank paper quickly rough it out and say all right put down a die that represents you and I'll tell you what, just being able to see, it doesn't even have to have a grid any, or anything on it. Just being able to see that there's trees over here, rock there, there's where the enemies are. Perfect. And just like Dave said, if you just want to use coins, if you want to use bottle caps, if you got minis around, that's fine. But if you want to try the cheap route, if you just want to try the game, download the free basics. Just with a, like he's, you know, just write, draw something up on a sheet of paper and yeah use some dice use coins whatever and i think that's the best way to go especially if you're really just diving into 5e unless you're planning on sticking with it and you know that your players are going to like it then sure buy the beginner box but i think getting the the free rules right off the bat and just trying it out first is the way to go yeah because it's you don't even know if you're like a starter set is a great way to go, but the starter set starter set will also hem you in mm -hmm. um, into. And if you're the kind of DM or GM or whatever that wants a more straightforward, plotted out, here's A B C D E F G H I J K to the plot, then that's great. But you have more flexibility and and everything to do what works. And so I don't think that you would necessarily need to overburden yourself run a few adventures with the basic campaign like you know and see how that goes and if you like it then yeah invest in the three core rule books that would be mm -hmm. the next step right but you could you could start with a starter set and then go but but the starter set just basically has the basic rules and some stuff and it's just like you're gonna pay the same as about half as what you would for a normal book or actually about the same as if you buy it on amazon and so you know, that's, that's, I'm, I'm with you. That seems like a pretty straightforward question. It seems like you kind of, they got bogged down. They played 3.5, which is like, okay, that is not a very economic system. And it had been out so long that there were so many books and I could see mm -hmm. lo losing the forest for the trees. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's. Yeah. That's why I think because there were so many fucking books for both third and fourth edition, and you know what? I can't even say that about second edition either because they had a shit ton of books too. But uh, I think that's the best way to get in. Just get the basic rules, whichever way you can get it, and start. See what you think, and then go from there. Do the do a very short little campaign, like Dave said, level one to three, and boom. See what you think. If you got it down, go ahead. Invest in the books. Get going. If you want to give D&D Beyond some money, which... I guess now is a good time to do it, do that. Yeah. But uh, that's the way that I, I like to do it, especially with new players. That's always the advice that I give them. Even coming from a dude that's a collector, I got a shit ton of books up on my shelf that I've, I haven't even used yet. Yeah, but you don't get those to use them. You get them because you no. like to have D&D &D books. I do. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I'm the same fucking way, you know, with, but it's not D&D &D books. It's yeah. Simulate books. I do always intend to read them, but I don't always get around to them. I don't know. You want to take another question since we don't have any uh, game? You know what? Yeah, fuck that. Let's go ahead and do that. Yeah, go ahead and roll it up. Uh, four. Oh, four. Uh-oh. 
Oh, you know what? I added this back because we have a lost episode that never went up. Oh, right. Yeah. The lost episode. I put this one back up because we never actually published this one. And if you remember this one, which is better for new players of D&D 5e, starting them on a module or homebrew? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. This one, this this one came from Sam LaCrum. LaCrum. Almost all my experience in tabletop RPGs involves the same group of people. When a newcomer joined our table, we all coached them and taught them the sandbox approach to playing using our homebrew world. In this case, homebrew was related to the world and story, not house rules. We only use official published rules. They must be listening to Dave. However, for the first time, (laughs) I will be teaching a new player who barely understand the concept of role-playing, let alone mechanics of the game itself. I prefer creating homebrew worlds that I customize to the players. However, in this case, I am wondering how much freedom I should give them and whether I should use a module or not. Should I start them off on a module? If so, which one? Or make my homebrew world that is more customized to the players? Well, I don't I don't really remember what my answer was, but I would imagine it'll be something similar to mm. what I'm going to say now, which is... I, I feel like I give this answer a lot. It all depends on kind of what your goal for the campaign is. So if you want the players to have a sense, like the new player in particular, have a sense that this is a linear storyline and it goes from A to X and we kind of carry things along, then a module might be the way to go unless it turns your other players off who feel too hemmed in by that. Keep in mind, this is a new player, so they need to assimilate into the style of play that your group already likes. Instead of trying to make things easy on them, you need to make sure that they have the tools that they need, the information they need, the guidance they need to assimilate into your play style. It is not your responsibility to give this player everything they want if it's antithetical to what your group is already accustomed to. But if your other, if your group is not turned off by the whole concept of like it's just an A to Z adventure, because it is more structured, then that might be the way to go if you want to encourage the new player to think in those terms. However, if you want more kind of like improvisation and open ended, and you want to encourage abstract thinking and not things being so linear, then maybe a homebrew is the way to go. And if your your homebrew world is structured in such a way that it is linear like that, then I don't see really you're just talking about texture, the official mm-hmm. D&D world of world of Faerun versus your homebrew world. I'm not sure that really matters to players. They kind of, um, you're allowed flexibility with the homebrew world because there's no history or official, uh, these things are here in the geography and so that's, I mean, that's what I'm doing in, in my campaign is it's like, we're basically just building the world as you explore it. And so it's like, okay, I've DM'd and my player DM'd before he established a, a town and a region and a thing. And like, and we're just kind of building the history as we move into it, almost like a computer game, right? It just generates Minecraft. It just generates the shit when you get yeah. there. It's not there already. And so there's some benefit to that, which is flexibility and not having to adhere to any specific 
whatever, like, oh, it's 1486 DR and Rune here on the Sword Coast, like, this seminal event, the eruption of Mount Hootenau is going to happen in, like, five days, and, you know, it's, eh, but it's not, that's not about the adventure, I don't care, like, this, yeah. so, um, I would say that's, that's the dichotomy at play, I don't think you're going to throw the new player for a loop, period, so you have to make sure that whatever you're doing to accommodate the new player slots into your style of game, and if a module doesn't do that, then don't use one, like plain and simple. But it, you need to s make sure that you're training the new player to play the style of game that you want to run and your other players want to play in. And if that and module doesn't achieve that, then... That's the big thing that I wanted to convey is because I've done this so many times and it always blows up in my face. Well, not always, but most of the time. When you tried to bend your style around the players... It, it can turn bad. It can turn bad real quick just because that's not the what you're used to playing. If you've found yourself comfortable homebrewing everything, you know, your world and you know it front to back and you your players know that's what you're used to, just continue with that. Don't try to break your way of playing just to make it easier for someone else. And hell, I actually think personally, you running your own world is a lot easier to teach to a player or at least get them immersed into the game than a than a module will so that's yeah, what i think yeah the history and the lore is if it's a homebrew world you can tailor it to the players in a very customized way whereas in a home you know like a more generic setting you probably wouldn't be able to i think you're really mm. on point with that because you know you you need to you yes you need to make sure that everybody's having fun but there's such a thing as like just adjusting things here, but you, you can't uproot the style of game that you want to play just to accommodate one player, especially because there are other players and they're almost always going to have mutually exclusive desires, right? They might want to mm -hmm. run one game this way. So your job as the DM is to kind of anchor that, that style of play and try to give each player something that they want without calling down to everything that they want because then you're excluding, you know, if no one else yourself, you're running a style of game that you don't want to run, and it's just as much about you having fun as a game master as it is the players. You know what? That's a really good thing to think about because I was just thinking about it. In D&D, I like running homebrew stuff. Mm -hmm. I like to play in set stuff because I know it. And that's just it. I guess if the player came up to me and was just like, Oh, where's Minx and Boo? Oh, where's uh Menza Baranzan? Can we go to the Underdark to meet Drist? I'm just like, whoa, 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 hold on. But like uh other games like Shadowrun, it its backbone is its lore. Like when you come into it and you know what as technology is and the other corporations, if you know who this is or this person, just knowing it from the novels, from the games themselves. It builds the place and it's got, you know, like I said, it's built its backbone on its fluff and lore. But in D&D, &D, that's the best thing, I guess, that you can do is start your own and have people just discover. Yeah. Even though me being the nerd that I am and I learn all the history and the lore of all these games and I go in and I'm just like, oh, well, if we go to Craghammer, I know that you can find this and this. Yeah, but part of that is too is it's like it's almost better 
as a player, like when you know all that stuff and it's like, you know, if you just go in completely blind, it's like almost experiencing the game for the first time. And D and D is a lot more generic than any other role playing game. Like you said, the texture of the game actually comes from its lore in some way, but with D and D that's not really, it's, it's less necessary. It's more just a fantasy setting right so if you mm-hmm. want to run it more harry potter or more lord of the rings or more conan the barbarian or whatever you can run it that way with a generic whatever because there's all i mean basically because it didn't start off with its own unique lore that just kind of came like it was really just a hodgepodge of like lord of the rings and fucking like greek mythology when it first started mm-hmm. and then the lore kind of came along and like developed as the game but it really is a very generic um setting that can just be fantasy oriented in whatever way and you can always take what you want from D official lore but if you want it to be a little grittier you want it to be a little more uh, high tech then you could do that like and they've introduced some campaigns to that front but i think it's just to accommodate anyone and everyone. And this is why, to our previous question, why is there so many fucking books? It's like, well, because you have different campaign settings that are trying to, like, be all things to all people. But if you didn't know any of that shit, you really could just go, what do I want the campaign to be? Here are the rules, kind of, here's how spells and magic and all that shit work, and do I want to run more like a steampunk style of game, or more like a gritty medieval fantasy, you know, maybe even, like, historical in some way, Roman Empire more Lord of the Ringsy, like how, how do I want that to operate? And you could make it so without having to tap any official source and it would allow you more flexibility. But world building is a son of a bitch and it's like how much of it is really necessary to operate the game? And mm-hmm. I'm not really sure that there is a lot that's necessary. So do you want to have like a generic world that you build on the fly or do you want to have something that's like, well, I might not need all this, but it's already here. You don't want to write up a whole history for your world and your region only to never have it be tapped and probably throw money at the problem to get a source book that fills it in in case you needed it. But you probably don't. I I think that most of this lore and source book stuff is kind of all just uh, a little circle jerky sometimes. Like it's just it does. You don't need it for the fucking game for the most part. And so but if you want it and you like it, then if you need something to fall back on it's there but if you have the time and the ability to just come up with your own then definitely go with that Mm -hmm. anyway all right that will lead uh really good into our main topic this week which is uh, a lot of people always ask me and i actually thought about this and it made me think about it because i am a guy that when the box set first drops I will usually pick that up no matter what, even if the book comes out at the same time. But what should you buy first when something comes out? If, we're going to say it goes, they're going to drop at the same exact time. The beginner set box set and the, the, uh, the main core rule book. Which one would you be for first, Dave? Well, I just kind of, you're right. It does segue right from our previous question because it really depends on what your intent is. Um, do you intend to homebrew something and you just want like the basic rules? Usually it's the player's handbook that gives you most of that stuff. And if that is the case, then you have no need for 
a basic box set. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, you don't really have much of a need. A basic box set usually comes with a set of dice and a bridge, basic rules, probably with a small adventure, maybe with a grid and a DM screen. Mm-hmm. But if you have all those things a la carte, you have them a carryover from a previous game and you don't need any of them, then uh, you're intended to just kind of come up with an adventure. Then you know that D&D is for you and you probably are going to buy the core rule books anyway. So just go do that from the get-go. But if you're not sure, you want to like introduce new players to the game, uh, especially if they're young and they don't really know how the game works and they kind of need a little bit more structure and leading along. And the box set's the way to go. And frankly, um, at least for 5th edition, I thought both some of the better, the two of the probably best adventures that are for 5th edition are the starter set adventures. They were pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Now they're coming out with a third one. And that actually, I actually want to read this one just to see if it's as good as the other ones. Yeah. Because I've actually enjoyed the box set adventures more than some of the other published ones. Yeah, it's like, you know, I think, uh, what, Tyranny of Dragons came out, I think, before the box set did. Mm-hmm. It? And um, it, no, it came out between the first starter set and the second starter set. But that's a pretty flat adventure, despite the fact that it's really big in scope. And it's like, it's like probably two of the bigger scale adventures, the out of the abyss duo and the rise of the dragon queen or whatever it is, mm. the dragon queen, whatever that one, Tiamat yeah. adventure. Those adventures are kind of like, I mean, they're pretty meaty, like as far as content, but they're really not very good. I um, found that out. Yeah. Reading. Uh, actually, I got a bitch about out of the abyss. Cause I was so excited for that one. And it was, it kind of fell flat. It's the same thing with the Horde of the Dragon Queen. It was like they just, you're, oh, it's demons, so it'll be interesting. Or, oh, it's, uh, you know, big dragon god adventure. And it's, sure, it's big in scope, but some of it's just really flat. You know, mm-hmm. unlike Curse, Curse of Strahd is a really well-done adventure. That's probably one of the better adventures um, that isn't the box adventure. But, like, Lost yeah. Mind of Fendelver is pretty on point. It's a pretty good intro adventure. But and to be fair, I think that you know, it's easier, like, without the Abyss and the Horde of the Dragon Queen, is it's, like, it's trying to take you from, like, levels, like, 1 all the way up to, like, 15 or 20. And once you start getting, like, too big like that, it makes it hard to kind of still be whatever, um, one cam- a whole campaign. But that said, it's, they're really not some of the better adventures. And, the you know, the, the starter set adventures are usually pretty good it's almost like they save that good stuff to try to get people like new people hooked into the game or something Mm -hmm. um but you know there's some other you know varying decently good adventures especially there's a bunch of small adventurers league stuff that you could run um that are small quests if you got the book and you didn't want to come up with your own adventure just pull from that they did a lot of adventurers league stuff that are just these small kind of dungeon delvey quests that are like made to be played in like a couple of hours um so that would be cool you could do that uh but yeah i would i'm i'm a fan of getting the starter set like if you especially have never played before but if you know that D is for you and you're going to get the three core rule books and you're going to basically not use the intro adventure or that you want something that's more customizable to what you're players expect or the kind of game you want to run because everything is so generic in the starter set and you know i i always custom tailor stuff 
you know, that it's like magic items and kind of tension and try to tie things into my players' motivations. You know, I might change like who, what the tie to one villain is to like mm. try to tie it to the character, you know, something like that. So that's always an option too. You can always adjust stuff pretty easily, but it's all just about like an investment of your time. Do you want to come up with your own adventure, read a new, read a box adventure and know all the ins and outs of it and your money? Do you want to pay for the starter set only to buy the core rule books later on? Who's to say? I don't, that, that all, all depends right. on kind of what you're looking so for. So here's about. a scenario for you. So say, you know, a couple years down, Wizards finally comes out, says sixth edition is going to happen. You yourself, Dave, has looked over some of the stuff that they've put out to show this is what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, this could be cool. I could be all right with this. And then your players come and say, hey, we've looked over this. Sixth edition seems pretty cool. Can we do this? Now, Wizards, being Wizards, we're just going to say that maybe this time around they don't do a free basic rules. But what they will do is they say, on this day, we're going to drop the three core rule books: GM's, DM's Guide, Player's Handbook, Monster Manual, each of them $48.99. We're also going to be dropping this beginner's box set, which is going to have six pre-generated characters. It's going to have dice. It'll have... Uh, it'll have a map, you know, double-sided. It'll have tokens, uh, the basic rules, as well as a small bestiary for twenty-six ninety-nine. Where do you dive in first? Well, uh, now you I... you think sixth edition is going to be cool. Your players think sixth edition is going to be cool. So where do you dive in? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big if for me. I'm not. I wouldn't be doing that because i just i'm skeptical like they're know, that's, it's a me. scenario it's if a you scenario. would <laughs> use I, your imagination <laughs> I, yeah i'll adhere to the scenario i'm in, i'm in that situation i'm inclined to to start with the starter set um because thinking something that's going to be cool is a little like seeing a trailer for a movie and thinking it'll be good right there's no guarantee that it'll be good Plenty of us have seen trailers for movies, and the movie was trash. Plenty of us have seen trailers for movies mm-hmm. that were mediocre, and the movie ends up being fucking dope. So, that's, uh, I would be inclined to go, okay, here, here is, I'm gonna buy the starter set. Especially because, like I said, it just, if for whatever reason you could convince me that, like, 6th edition was the way to go, try to get some more of my fucking money, I'm approaching trepidatiously, like, on core rule books because I think that what you get beyond the basic shit is such a huge spike. Like you said, mm-hmm. $50 for a fucking new book. And the player's handbook has 80% of what's in the basic rules. Sure, you get more spells, and you get, and this you get diminishing returns with every supplement you get. Every mm-hmm. one. It's like they're all the core. All these books, supplements included, are almost always like 40 to 50 bucks. And what you get out of them. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, oh, it's like a 300-page book, and it's like, right, but most of that's, like you said, it's just lore and kind of all this background stuff, and it's like, mechanically, it's like, oh, there's a couple new subclasses in there, there's a couple new feats and, like, five mm-hmm. new spells, and it's like, you just paid $50 for, like, seven things. When the basic rules give you 150 things for free, it's like... Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm always really skittish about paying for, like, the full thing 
just to to get a lot of content that I don't think is really germane to my game. I can run a game with just the basic rules and don't. And, and this is what I mean: is it's like I really it really irks me that they do this and they charge you for these fucking books because you want to be supportive of the of a game that you love, but you're like, look, man, you're fucking gouging me here with fifty dollars. Like I know this shit will be online. Like what's in uh-huh. there, I can get online for free. It's like I bought your starter set. Like you got some of my money. Stop trying to like fucking rape me. If you made it reasonable, like a reasonable cost, because you know I get it when I get in a game shop and I I buy a book. Try to buy books in game shops, but they're like fifty dollars. Yeah. Sometimes fifty five dollars, as opposed to like thirty dollars. You can get them online for like thirty bucks. It's like that's a difference of twenty dollars. That's mm. not an insignificant amount of money. And it's like, am I better off to like buy them online and buy all the supplemental stuff from the whatever? I don't know. But what I can say is, like, what do I need? And the starter set basically is made to provide you with everything that you need. And so that's where you want to go. Don't, don't start a new... I would never start a new edition assuming that I'm going to run it 1 to 20. Mm. I just I don't know that I could be yeah. that excited about something. I would just go, like, I'm going to check it out, see what's what. If it's great, then, you know, I have what I need and I can decide to kind of get other stuff later, worry about the redundancies and whatever. Not to mention the starter set is like if you graduate up to the core rule books and you're like, okay, you get the core rule books and maybe some of the supplements, you just pack that starter box up. It's always a great thing to have. Like just Mm -hmm. want to run a one shot for somebody or you want to introduce someone to the game someone doesn't have their own dice or whatever like hey or someone else is like interested like hey i'm thinking about running a game you know like one of your players or something and i'm gonna run a game for such and such like oh here take the starter set like go yeah. and run and do whatever you want i did that for my nephew he was getting into D. he wanted some D stuff for christmas and i just gave him my old box set because i had it all still everything was in the box i was like here take that start there yeah, so that's that's the scenario. Like, I'm more inclined. What about you? You more inclined to kind of go out and get the book or starter set? I am a beginner box guy, just because even when I have players or people are looking for a game online, I will always go to the box set first if they have it. There is one thing, uh, because like I was saying with these guys at work that we're going to be doing a Savage Worlds game, I brought it up to them, and some of them are all veteran players. And one of the guys looked up the the box set for Savage Worlds, which is, uh, it's huge. It's big. Savage Worlds is not meant to have a beginner's box because you can usually find their their basic rules for free everywhere. Right. If you get into Savage Worlds, you just buy the book. That's what you do, and you just get into it. But I have one of the box sets, and it's usually around 100 bucks. But you get the book, you get a GM screen, you get bennies, you get dice, you get ammo counters. You get bookmarks with rules on it. You get a game world. You get a poster. You get uh, oversized playing cards for initiative and everything. You also get three other sets of cards for other stuff. And it's just, it's huge. It's for you to have all this shit. It's got templates for spells and everything. So that's the only one that I'd say, if you love the game and you want all these cool little accessories, do that. But otherwise, I am strictly a beginner's box sort of guy. When Cyberpunk Red came out, I immediately jumped on the Jumpstart box because it was only 20 bucks. And uh, everything in there was fucking dope. 
again, they give you some dice, they give you maps, they give you pre-generated characters. They got a module with three different uh, scenarios in it. The, uh, the beginner's rules. I just love box sets because of that. All the shit that comes with them for such a little price. Like all this shit that you can get in there. Hell, I've supplemented my players with dice through beginner's boxes for years now. I haven't yeah. bought a set of dice separately in almost 10 years just because the beginner's box always comes with dice. Yeah, I, I always had, I, I got the metal ones. So I was like, I was like, all right, I get some metal dice. But yeah, I think there, it's also just a difference in how you market it, right? Like the Savage Worlds box could probably more adequately be called a veteran's box, mm-hmm. not, not a beginner's Ooh, box. Like it's, I like it's, that. It's more like here, are like these little things that like matter if you're like a sophisticated player and you want like all these little cool things, these little like touches here and there that kind of polish up the game and make it run more smoothly. Great. You know, here you go. Here's a box, you know. Yeah, it's probably overpriced, but, you know, you get these things and, and they're cool. A beginner's box is supposed to be, you know, or whatever, starter set, whatever you want to call it. It's supposed mm-hmm. to give you everything you need to run the adventure that is contained in there. And I think that there's a certain, I mean, part of it is too, if you're anything like me, is there's a certain nostalgia to it. Um, you know, like breaking open that thing and it's kind of like this, it's all like ready to go and it's all rudimentary mm-hmm. and you're kind of like, oh yeah, I got the screen, there's all the shit I need and kind of like open it up. It just feels a little like Christmas. And so that's cool. I, I really wish they would bring back tokens. I think that, why aren't tokens part of starter sets anymore? So you can't even find them. You can't find them. If you don't want to have like a hundred minis, I have like several minis and I'm kind of like building a collection, but I'm like, where are the tokens? Like, tokens and, yeah, are, right. Like, Those were so good. It's like, it's, it, and again, it's, I just suspect it's a fucking scam. It's like to get you to buy minis like a fish. And the thing is, again, another thing that's irksome is the official wizards of the coast fucking minis. And the ones that they sanction are always just like a little more expensive than the competitor ones. Uh huh. And it's like, and because they have a lockdown, it's like, it's like, I suspect that they can't, you know, like if you want a beholder mini, like the rights to that are likely enforced well, which means like a third party could someone you could buy one for like eighteen dollars or whatever from Wizards. Someone else could make one, three D print one for like six bucks and mm-hmm. sell it to you, but they'd be like, uh, 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 like beholders are like a copyrighted thing for Wizards, and so you can't make that, and so get it out of the market. That's like that's just kind of bullshit. I don't like it. So it's like. Mm-hmm. So, but like tokens could just be, you know, why you don't need to have a bunch of minis. Tokens will suffice. And they did. And I wish, like, I used to have a ton of them and I don't know whatever, what I ever did with them. I used to have hundreds of minis. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I ever did with all my tokens. It's like I transferred to minis and then I got rid of them. You probably still have a ton of them, don't you? Oh yeah. I still got a shit ton of them. Yeah. I wish I had them. I wish I had like tokens and I fucking don't. And it's like, you they can't were great. find them. You can't find you them. Go- I know. You used to be able to when, with especially with the fourth edition shit where you could find that box of like three hundred of them for fifteen bucks. Thought that was you great. You can't. Yeah, the monster vault too used to come with them. Yeah. And uh, but like price those monster vaults out on like they're like three hundred bucks. Jesus. Yeah, for the monster vault stuff from fourth edition, it's like, are you fucking kidding? Like I can't find just regular tokens of just basic ass fucking monsters, guards and goblins and kobolds like for a first level adventure. Don't have them. So it's like, that's okay, one thing I'll give up to a fantasy flight for the star Wars game. You buy the box set. It's $25. You get four sheets of those really thick, nice tokens. You get, uh, 
the adventure in there. You get the beginner's rules. You get the dice, which the dice, if you buy them separately, they're 15 bucks themselves. Uh, you get two double-sided maps. And I just tried to like end the pre-generated character sheets that they have in there are beautiful. And it has all these little notes around them saying, this is what this is for. This is what this is for. Are you ready to level up? As soon as you do turn the page, now you can choose this, this or this to add in there. And man, I went through and I, like I said, I bought the thing for like 25 bucks. I listed out everything. The box set is, let alone, is worth almost 50 bucks itself. Just because like those tokens, especially what they're made of, those things are expensive. The dice are expensive. The rules themselves, just from what you get out of them, I gauge that at 10 bucks itself. Yeah, because yeah, so that would be, that be the way to do it is if you're going to like... You should weigh it like okay, so you're maybe maybe you're overcharging a little bit for the books, right? Eh, ten or twelve bucks more than they probably should be, and I could forgive that if you could get a starter set where like, wow, the value of this is like double what I paid, because you're just supplementing it with like people that actually buy the books are supplementing that. That would be fine if it wasn't trying to like nickel and dime you every step of the way. I would be okay, mm -hmm. like okay, yeah, the book's probably only worth thirty-five bucks, and you're charging me fifty-two bucks. But it's like if I get the starter set and it's 20 bucks and it's like very clear that if I bought a screen, some dice, some tokens, an adventure, and basic rules, like all that's just basic stuff and a battle mat or whatever it is, that would all be like more than the cost of what I have. I would be fine with that as a schema and probably would be fine paying extra for the books accordingly. But mm -hmm. All right, new scenario. Okay. Wizards again, 6th edition, same scenario before. Both you and your players have looked into 6th edition and been like, this seems kind of cool. Wizards now, uh, for some reason, something happened at the printer. We're going to give out our basic rules, which is just going to be basic character creation. The uh, five classes uh, that go to level 10, just like how they did before. Five? I would think four. It's probably just the four? What did they do? Yeah, okay, so I'd say fighter, cleric. Rogue and wizard. Rogue, wizard. Okay, so yeah, probably just the four. Yeah. Uh, go to level 10, rules to go up to level 10. It has a very small, um, like, uh, bestiary, like, they'll give you, like, uh, 15 to 20 uh, monsters. And then that's about it, really. Um, this is and, you free. Know, and this is free. Okay. And then they say, the books are released now. But... In two months, we'll have a box set out, you know, for whatever. Uh, the printers ran long or something. We had to change something. But the box set will be out in two more months. What would you do then? Yeah, I'm probably running, I'm probably running basic rule stuff until the box set comes out. Or, or I'm just waiting for the box set. I don't. Especially because that kind of seems like a tactic to basically get people to start with the basic rules, get up a few levels, and then buy the books before the box set comes out. So it seems kind of like you're trying to lure people into buying the books before the box set, and then you get a whole second wave of people that didn't bother to do any of that mm. when the box set comes out. So it's a smart move if you're trying to like maximize how much money you get. And how many people you get into the game. But for me, it's like, yeah, I'm not 
buying like the whole thing. I'm more inclined to just wait until the box set comes out or run a basic rules adventure. It's like because th- that's what that's what they do is they hamper you in right the beastry and like level cap and mm-hmm. and minimize uh, the amount of spells and stuff so that you're railroaded into eventually the terminus is, is like you basically have to eventually buy the other core rule books. Yeah, if you so, want to expand, if you want to flourish, you got to get the the other books. Yeah, and so um, that's it, it. Probably depends on basically the class options like sometimes in the basic rules you won't even have it'll be like oh subclass and it's like as a fighter you can be a champion fighter it's like mm. that's it like i have no other option and so it's like it depends on how sophisticated you know or you're a wizard and you're like okay there's eight first level spells and it's like okay that that kind of hinders you a little bit and so that would be contingent upon like how I'm looking to get into the game, then yeah, I probably just just go with the the core rule books initially. If I'm looking to like, look, I'm gonna just run this game from now on. Mm-hmm. Like, I probably just go buy the core rule books outright, um, just to have variety. Or actually, probably just outsource it. Usually, it's like, okay, I'm gonna buy the DMG and someone else buy the monster manual, someone else buy the player's handbook. But like now, all basically every player in my group has a player's handbook. I have one, and like two of my three players have their own player's handbook. So it's like, yeah, because players will do that, and they'll just buy the shit because they like to put, like, the other DM that I DM with, he went and just bought all three core rule books. I'm like, dude, I have those. Like, why you just borrow mine? Because it's not like we'll ever be using them at the same time. I don't need the DMG when you're DMing. You could just take, mm-hmm. yeah, I just wanted it. I'm like, alright. Hey, fucking awesome. Yeah. So. I gotta say, when the free basic rules came out, when we when D and D next officially became fifth edition, mm-hmm. they they released the basic the free basic rules like a month or two before the books ever came out or the beginner oh, yeah. set. Yeah, and we switch we swapped to that, and actually it ran fine. Yeah, well, because we had been used to playing the beta for next, and we kind of yeah. like yeah, this is like kind of what they kept. This is what they got rid of, <laughs> and it's like that's. It's good because they that's the whole point of it, right? It's why I don't let my players use unearthed arcana shit because it just kind of breaks the game, I think. Mm. Like, so much of that stuff is basically like beta testing on the fly. Some of it like makes its way into like future supplements. And then you're like, okay, so that's the stuff that worked. Everything else is like there's a reason they didn't put this in any core rule books that follow, and I feel like I'm just trepidatious of adding too much of it. And so Especially because it'll be slightly different, right? The unarthur canna version of like a feat or a or a spell that eventually shows up in Xanathar's Guide or Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, it's slightly different. And you're like, okay, it's slightly different because they realized that it wasn't working this way. And so all to me, all those things in Unearthed Arcana that never made it into a book, they don't really work that well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'm gonna leave them there on the cutting room floor. And so, but if that, again, it just depends on how rigid you are with rules and, and like, how much you try to kind of get into conflicting things. And the more stuff you add in that's untested over a long arc, the more you're likely to have conflicts and kind of just have to come up with rulings of those conflicts on the fly. And I'm not great at that for consistency's sake, so I just prefer to minimize it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only snag we had 
was everyone else was playing basic uh, classes, so that was easy. But I was playing in next. I was playing the warlock, and when they brought out the free basic rules, they didn't have that in there. Yeah, because so, the war the warlock needed a lot of it needed a lot of work. Yeah, it was it was. I remember thinking like, man, I get that you want to play a warlock, but this basic next version of it sucks. Yeah, like it sucked, <laughs> and it, it was did like it really sucked. It sucked, and I was like, this is really. Like they hardly ever do stuff that's like, you know, weak. And it was, but when it came out back in the player's handbook, I was like, okay, I get what they're going for. They seem to have kind of fleshed out a little bit better the identity of this class. Mm-hmm. But initially, it was it was just kind of weak as fuck. And yeah, I like, man. Like I get you wanting to try it because you like that class, but it's like you shouldn't because just because it's called a warlock <laughs> don't make it good. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just it. Transferring over at first, it was like, oh well. We'll give it a shot. The wizard was fucking great. And then, as I said, as soon as the books did come out, I was able to swap back to Warlock. They fixed it up really well. Yeah. I was very happy with it. Okay, so new scenario. Uh, Beto and Chris, just those two, have decided that they want to play this new game coming out. They're like, hey, man. Would you be willing to? We want. We just want to try this new thing. Would you be willing to run it? And uh, maybe you did. You find it like, okay, this sounds interesting. I'll do it. Is that? And that's just it. This other game doesn't have anything free online. It's either the box set or grab the. There's only one book, only one core rule book. Say it's like Cyberpunk Red. There's the beginner's box or there's just the one core rule book. Which one do you go for? There's a beginner box or one core rule book. Yeah. Depends on what's with the. Uh, I'm probably inclined in that scenario to, well, first of all, if my players want to try it, then I'm like, get it and I'll run it. That's my mm-hmm. attitude. <laughs> yeah. It, I'll run it, right? That's fine. And if they're going to get it and I'm going to run it, I prefer the, the starter set as opposed mm-hmm. to the beginning book. Because, first of all, they're just interested. So I don't know that they're even going to like it. Second of all, starter set is likely to have everything kind of laid out in a way that I can understand and run it with less investment and involvement. So it's like, ah, I'm not even certain that you, like, you get it, get the starter set, I'll read over it, I'll run through it, and if you like it enough to kind of, like, go, then maybe we'll get the core rulebook and I'll start building stuff out for it. Uh, but in that scenario, it's like, if it's player-driven and I'm just kind of agnostic about it, I'll run pretty much anything my players are interested in, uh, at least enough to whatever. Like, I, I just like role-playing games in general, so I'm pretty inclined to run just about any kind of game, uh, just so okay. my players aren't interested in anything other than D&D. <laughs> All right, Snag. You guys talk about it, you've decided on the box, and then Mikey comes up and says, oh, but they don't have any rules for character creation. All they have is pre-gens, and I want to make my own character. That's really hypothetical because Mike would never do that. Mike I know. That's like, why I kind of Mike, put him in there. <laughs> Mike would just be like, whatever, I'll just run this guy. I don't even care. Yeah. Um, they don't have rules for character creation. They just have pre-gens. I think he's just SOL at that point. Ah, that's what I wanted to hear. You know, he's just he like, look, man, or, you know, you kind of get it. Like, although to be fair, I feel like I'm... You give me you give me one iteration of a character that's been built with a system. I understand the rules and how that system works, and I look at that character. I can probably reverse engineer how to create a character. 
mm-hmm. pr- pretty likely. As long as I understand the, the basic rule set and I see the, the things that the character is doing, which just especially if you had a plethora of them, where it's like, okay, these different classes, yada, 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 I kind of can, I can see the brushstrokes and kind of how they got there. And so I could be like, okay, here, this seems to be like, you know, you see six, say, ability score sets. Mm-hmm. And you you could see, okay, this guy has this high score, medium scores here, whatever, whatever, whatever. And you kind of go, okay, how did they get there? Oh, I see what the pattern is, right? You get 115, 114, 213s, an 11, and a 10. That's that's the schema. That's a standard array. We could use that, right? How they built it, if they were a point-by system, maybe I wouldn't be able to piece together. But you could notice some commonalities. And as long as they weren't trying to, like, look, I don't want to play any of the pre-generated classes, but, like, hey, I like, I want to be a wizard, but I want to be this wizard. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. I probably can reverse engineer how you could generate a class. And as long as I feel like there's substantive evidence in the character sheet and in the rules to give me some insight that I wouldn't be, like, stepping too far out of bounds, I, I would feel pretty comfortable doing that. Um, but, yeah, the short answer is probably I'm just like, look, dude, just just play one of these classes. You know, we could change yeah. it and tinker, tinker with the pre-generated character so that it maybe looks a little more like you want it. Um, but if you don't want to play some of these basic characters with maybe a few alterations, I don't think very many players really care that much about, like, building the character up from the ground. Uh, they just go like, eh, I don't know, I want this type of equipment, or I don't know that I want to have high intelligence as opposed to high wisdom. And so you say, oh, well, see, so swap them, and you can change that out, whatever. Um, cert- especially beginning players. Certain power gamers will fucking, like Cody did this, right? Like he's a fucking power gamer to the max. And so he's like, oh, it says here that I get either a martial weapon and a shield or two martial weapons. Well, I don't want a shield. So I'm going to take two great swords. Why would you need two great swords? He's like, because a great sword is worth 50 gold pieces and I can sell that yeah. at a higher like rate back when it's like, dude, really? You're doing that? Like, <laughs> fine. You don't, you don't have any use for like a second weapon, but you're just like, that one's the most expensive and I'll be able yeah. to sell it back at like a more, it's some games, power gamesmanship, right? Yeah. I don't think that's, that's common with most players, especially most players that are being inclined to start with a starter set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if it's a group like yours. You're lucky that your group is into the game so much that they go out and get their own shit. Whenever, and that's just it. Like, I've only had it maybe once or twice ever that I've had a player come up and be like, hey, can we try this game? And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, we can. Now, me being me, I go out and I'll, I'll, I'll either have the book already or I'll go out and buy it. But I won't run it from the book. I'll always get the the starter set to run it, just because it's a little bit more. I don't want to say railroady, but it, it gives you the right lane to go in. It yeah. teaches you how, you know, this is how this game is supposed to be structured, and this is the way it should be done. Instead of reading through the book and being like, okay, it could be run this way, this way, or this way. I, I it gives you. A, go ahead. It just gives it better for the players and for yourself to realize this is what the game is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just like that better because it's also bit me in the ass where I myself have been like, we're going to try this game. And I bought the book and the starter set and we start playing. And they're just like, meh. Yeah. Haven't you, didn't you feel like, I feel like part of the biggest problem, at least when we were playing BTM, uh, Vampire the Masquerade for 
people that aren't familiar with that, um, was that there was no such a roadmap. You didn't mm-hmm. have like too many like published scenarios and adventures. And when the ones you did were just so loose that it didn't kind of give you a very good roadmap for how the game is supposed oh to be Oh my god. The fucking the the uh the campaigns, the separate cell like modules that you could get, I don't even know what they had a special name for them. But they stories. were more Yeah, stories. But that's what they were. They were just more like novellas than anything else. It was just a big story and they're just like, There you go, here's some stats. Yeah, I didn't break it down by like encounters and scenes and stuff like that. And here's the trajectory of the plot and the key players and kind of give you and especially if you didn't like my problem with them is it's like, look, if we run all of these, there's not like I didn't really like a lot of the scenarios because they almost always like it was like every story was like like a season finale of a fucking show. And there was hardly any like, you know, it was like always like the like it'd be like every D&D adventure being like, go kill a dragon. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure, it's Dungeons and Dragons, but like, I don't need every adventure to be go kill a dragon. And it was like, that way with VTM is it was like, man, this is all like werewolves and fucking like, it's like, aren't there any stories that don't involve like super ridiculous amounts of like supernatural stuff? Like where is like some intrigue and stuff like that that doesn't mm-hmm. involve, because they go on like in the books about like how, rare supernatural encounters are how few vampires are likely in each city and like how the political structure is is set up but then it's like everything like revolves around those things it's like mm-hmm. okay do do are these things like rare in the world or are they not it's like every adventure is gonna have like a fucking three beholders and like, <laughs> like yeah that's weird and so there was no roadmap and so we just kind of left it was so freeform and so sandboxy that it just ended up leaving the players like finding conflict, like where they, you know, it's because you just didn't have a good idea of like how to structure like a horror based game that didn't turn into like some action oriented kind of D and D style adventure. Yeah. It, was, it never really gelled for us. A few stories really did. And then the, those are the ones I remember, but generally speaking, it just kind of players, it was just like, it was like playing GTA without the, the, the story mode. Yeah. Even I remember, I remember the first day we even tried that I tried running it first and I was reading through the book and it had a small scenario in the back yeah. and it was like a page long and uh, you and I, we kind of hashed out the rules together, but as I was reading this, trying to uh, formulate how it was going to work because all it was, was like, there's this big gang girl and his cronies yeah. and you're at a party with a bunch of other vampires yeah. and you piss him off. He gets pissed off somehow and then a, a brawl happens. Sure. And I remember trying to think of like, okay, well, how does that work? How do they piss them off? And trying to get into it. And you were like, even you were just like, is this guy just itching for a fight? Is that what's happening? I was like, oh, yeah, kind of. It's like, oh, that's fucking dumb. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why? It's like, I don't know. It doesn't tell me. Like, and it's yeah. like, well, and that's the thing for, for VTM, too, is it was like, I think part of the, the reason that they did that is they don't realize that it like, hems you in like they're like it's a, it's not an action oriented game so like there has to be drama and dramatic stakes in something that doesn't involve like violence in some way but if and it's so like but they never really gave you a roadmap for that and if there's gonna be violence it's like it almost has to be 
with other vampires, werewolves, other supernatural beings, because otherwise it's really no challenge to the players. Like, it's like that whole Alex, like, well, there's like a gang of these guys and give me a hard time. Oh, I'm, I'm going to like attack this guy. I'm like, okay, well, you just kill them. They're people, mm-hmm. right? You just kill them. It's like not a challenge to you. So it's like they didn't do a very good job of like setting up stories and kind of giving you stories that have dramatic tension that aren't predicated on the threat of violence. And so it just often devolved into that. And when you have a lot of violence, then it just becomes more action oriented than horror oriented. And that was the kind of the thing we ran aground of a lot, I think. But I think uh, that's going to bring us to the end here. Both kind of came to the consensus that yes, basic rules, good way to go. No matter what, I don't care if you're a seasoned veteran or whatever, the box set usually has some, always has something good for you uh, to start with. And especially when it comes to monetary value, they always have good shit for the money that you put into it. Fuck, man, I've used the maps from Lost Minds of Found Delver more times than I've ever actually run that. Yeah, and you that, that's the thing is you can often repurpose stuff, too. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you can repurpose certain scenarios, certain like even if you don't want to use the box set straightforward, like I did a campaign a while ago where it was like I was basically running the previous campaign. I had ran the starter set minus the whole lost mine of Fendelver, like the the actual mine. Mm -hmm. I cut that out and then I superimposed all those quests on the Dragon of Icepire Peak. So that there was just like extra side quests in the Dragon of Ice Spire Peak to kind of get those players up to level. And then I cut out some of the the Dragon of Ice Spire Peak side quests, like the whole like um Thunderbore bullshit, like all the, the anchorites of Talos and that whole plot line and Ice Spire Peak. I got rid of it. And I just replaced it with a bunch of the other little side quests. So there was just like dozens of little side quests and then the main dragon quest. And it ran perfectly because it's in the same region. I just was like, okay, I cross-referenced them. Okay, this thing is over here. This is Wyvern Tor. This is Old Owlwell from the Fandelver adventure. Mm-hmm. And they stitched together really nicely to like a hybrid adventure that felt like uh, seamless. So there you go, folks. Beginner's box, good. Sh- shilling, good. Out- <laughs> shilling out too much money for how expensive these books are getting these days. It's a good way to go. Yeah. But uh, if you guys have any questions for us, or if you just want to talk to us, tell us that we're assholes. We don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Email us inside the GM studio at gmail.com. Or you can always write in and say, you know what? Dave's got good points, but Matt, you're a fucking idiot. It's likely to be the other way around. <laughs> I think so. But yeah. Get at us. Ask us some questions. Talk shit to us. And uh, for this week inside the GM studio, I am Matt. I am David. Good night. <laughs>